Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Now I know many of you are spooked by what's going on in the stock market right now and the economic implications of the coronavirus. On tonight's show, we try to put this market sell-off into perspective for the long-term investor. This is a big deal. But the response from both governments and central banks means that the second half of 2020 will be a lot better than the first half of this year. Coming up, I flesh out what's going on right now and how you should play stocks with Charlie Aiken of Aiken Investment Management and Paul Rickard of our own Switzer Report. Then David Zaman from Citigroup will look at the way you should be looking at fixed investments right now. And finally, Russell Pilmer, who I caught up with a few weeks ago when the coronavirus was first starting to hit the markets, he looks at the way they cope with dealing in the market in these volatile times. That's the show, so without any further ado, let's catch up with Paul Rickard and Charlie Aiken, and I do it from a socially distant right position. Well, Wall Street up nearly 10% on Friday. Uh, the Federal Reserve comes out and cuts interest rates down to zero, and our stock market is down 7% at the open. Like, what in the hell is going on? How worried should we be? I know everyone is worried, but the question is how worried and when can all this turn around? You'll notice that we're sitting in a social distance, politically correct uh, pattern today. That's because of the new world that we're living in. Charlie Aiken, Aiken Investment Management. And way over there is Paul Rickard. Hello. The Switzer Report. All right, let's, guys, let's start answering questions that people care about. Charlie, what's going on? Well, obviously, yeah. Obviously, it's a world reaction to the coronavirus spread. I mean, the market's uh, unprecedented volatility. You can see US futures are limit down now. The Fed's cut interest rates to zero. The Fed's brought a huge quantity of easing package back in. I think we're getting to the point where the economic disruption is obvious to everyone and hopefully the economic disruption peaks over the next few weeks and then we'll get a bit of stability. So it's the markets, you know, thinking it's about... reproducing the China... Well, um, well, well you know, the Chinese, Chinese should be highly criticised for delivering this to the world, yeah. but they should also be praised for how they've dealt with it. Mm. But very few countries can truly lock down, lock down, you know, cities of 50 or regions of 50 million people. But it appears that's what you need to do to, just to really contain the spread of it. So my view is that the markets will remain volatile like this. I'm very pleased the Federal Reserve has thrown the kitchen sink at it today. Yeah. I think the Reserve Bank will throw the kitchen sink at it. Bank of New Zealand's just cut interest rates. So you're going to get very, very low interest rates for a very long time. And this is, I will stress one thing. At this moment in time, this is not a financial crisis. Banks are in good shape. Lending is still going on and there is ample liquidity in the system. Just their future profitability. Yeah. The markets in the next two or three quarters of earnings from equities are going to be down. Mm. We know that because there's a massive economic interruption going on. But inside that, I think there's opportunity. And without answering every question in one answer, I think the key thing you need to look at in the next couple of weeks is just the infection rates. If we can see a peaking in the infection rates, I believe markets will bottom as that peaks. Yeah. That's my very simple view. Jeff Paul. Yeah, I'm probably, look, I'm with Charlie, I'd be more focusing on the economic disruption as to what's closing, what's starting to ease up a little bit. And I'm not surprised the market is down before even the Fed did anything because it just sense that over the weekend there was significant 
uh, increase in uh, economic disruption. We had a lot of travel bans come in place. We had a lot of employers, big employers say, don't turn up for work on Monday. No one's gonna buy anything in this type of environment. So you're gonna see the, the economic disruption. It's gonna be quite severe. The question is whether it lasts for a month or last six months or, t or two years. That's what I think the market's, market's a bit worried about at the moment. Um, so look, um, you know, in some ways Australia, I won't say is leading the rest of the world, but uh, we're getting the reaction here first. So we're gonna be down, US will be down. Look, I, I think, I don't disagree with Charlie, but I think it's also, you just gotta focus a little more about what's happening at a government level. The Fed is a positive this morning. They need to get out there and buy some non-government bond assets. Um, and that's, that's one way to help the system as well. In a sense, we need both fiscal and monetary policy, central banks and, and federal governments, to actually show that they believe in the system. And if they see that kind of thing, and then Charlie's, I think he's right, if the infection rates start coming off the boil, and then your, your argument is that businesses start getting back to work, that's when people say, we've overreacted, we start buying stocks. Well, I'm, I'm sure the market will preempt this. Yeah, what I'm saying, the market will preempt this, yeah. I'm not waiting, but I just think the sense, when you start to see that they've, you look at what happened over the weekend, it was more you started to see the flow on of everybody starting to close stuff down, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then obviously the Fed's come in and the Kiwis have come in and the central banks will come yeah. in to help the system out. At some stage, and maybe infection rates peaking, there'll be just a sense that people are just starting to ease up a little bit mm -hmm. or that no more restrictions yeah. are coming, and that'll be the- Now, Charles said, and you agreed that market will preempt it, but they still will need something that will it be the, the magnitude of the sell-off will make them come back in? No. Or let's what be, will let's be, let's be sensible. Like, I mean, we've had a 20 to 30% sell-off. The market is fully aware of what is going on. It has knocked travel stocks down up to 90%. It's fully aware of what, mm. what's going on. What, in my very strong view, what it needs to see to stabilise and rally is that there is effective um, containment in the United States and effective containment in Europe. That's the biggest concern at the yeah. moment. If those rates, those rates will keep going up over the next probably yeah. week, week and a half, two weeks. There'll be some nasty headlines. Our kids will probably be at home shortly from school. And broadly, world economy will probably just screech to a halt for a few, for a few weeks. Now, the markets know that's coming. It's not pleasant. But inside that, what we need to be very careful of before people run for the exit and all go to cash at exactly the wrong time is that the moment we see any sort of peaking in those infection rates, because quarantine does work. Look at China, it does work. Mm. But it's just very hard for the Western world to accept quarantine because we're so unused to it, mm. you know, staying at home. Yeah. But it's the only answer. And when we get that, the rebound in equity markets will be violent. And that's why you need to stay invested because we're going to watch day by day these infection rates. We'll see this sort of stuff in markets, like we've said for weeks now. It's going to be like this. But... I will be invested because when you come out the other side, you're going to come out the other side to incredibly low interest rates, masses of fiscal spending from governments and confidence returning. Mm. Now, this is a scary moment more personally than in markets. To me, this is nowhere near the GFC or other events. This is a, this is a major economic and market interruption, mm. but you actually can see your way out the other side because we've got a playbook. China have actually showed us the playbook. Not, not, th not thanking them for the infection, but how to handle it. Yeah. And their markets, broadly, are back to where they started. Well, look, look, I don't disagree with Charlie. I mean, I think uh, I, do, I do reiterate the point about staying invested and uh, looking for opportunities because the market is super, super thin. Yeah, right? You try to buy anything in this market, mm -hmm. there's no offer. Even in buying, you know, I, I tried to buy on Friday some IVV, right? That's the US S&P 500. Yeah. 
They're offering 15 units either side. It's about $1,000. You cannot get set, right? It is, yeah. it, is, it is so hard. So if you're looking to invest, you're not going to buy at the bottom, right? Don't even think about it. You just have to go so, there and pay the price, right? So right? You, guys, so, uh, and, you guys are closer to the action than many of our viewers. Are you saying that even on like a day like today when the market's falling 7%, mm. if you wanted to get into, say, my stock, Switch, it would be hard? It's really hard, Peter. It's almost impossible. There is no volume. Right. So, so you can't buy if it's not an offer. Yeah, well, sellers are not Well, no, the, the, the lack of liquidity in all asset yeah. classes now is affecting prices. Yeah. So you, you don't get this sort of volatility yeah. with good liquidity, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lack of liquidity. A lot of the major market makers and brokers are working from remote offices and secondary, uh, secondary places of, mm -hmm. of work and stuff like that. Look, the, the point you've got to is people are worried about their own health, Pete. You know, like the markets are the markets, right? People are starting to work, think about their own health. They're, they're you know, they're panicking. Economic health as well. They're panic buying stuff at Woolworths. You know, the markets will take. So the issue here, let's be so clear, is the virus and its economic impacts and whether it's a quarter, two quarters or three quarters. We absolutely know that equity earnings are too high on the consensus level. Every One thing we must tell viewers is just to ignore any guidance you're getting from a company because no one has a clue. No one's right. So guidance means nothing. And we just... I think the way to approach this is to sensibly, on the down days, look for super high quality businesses with really fortress balance sheets that can see it through under all conditions, as we have said on this program for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Now, it doesn't matter. Apple are closing their stores outside of China for two weeks now. now Apple shares might be down tonight. That's the sort of thing I'd buy. They've got 150 billion of cash. Will you, know? you be able to easily buy them? Of course I can buy them. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I mean, he could buy them, but most people can't. Okay, so so why that, that's why we need to get back C to... Let's go to CBA. The yeah. person who is out there watching us now um, and is, looks at CBA's share price, will they get set, Paul? Well, look, there's probably better than that. I mean, but you have to pay the price, right? Yeah, so yeah. if you want well, to buy, want to set, there is tiny, set. tiny volume mm. on offer. And that's why it's going up and down like that, right? Yeah. So long-term investors so, 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 are No, but also, but market makers are making markets in tiny things. That's mm. why the- Correct, you know, spreads are widening, right? You tend to get, when the market is most stable, is generally when it's most liquid. Mm. And when it's most volatile, is the lowest liquidity, yeah. right? Now, the other so, thing is there has <laughs> been some, as you, if you would have read in the weekend press, there's been some spectacular blow-ups too. There's a few strategies have blown up. There's been some forced selling. There's been some complicated stuff. There's leveraged ETFs blowing up. Mm. I would remind viewers that this does not happen at the top. Mm. You know, this, yeah. this sort of these headlines about strategies blowing up, fund managers blowing up, right. leveraged stuff blowing up. It is a clean out for a completely left field development. You know that no one saw, but in a strangely positive way for the medium term, you are seeing leveraged investors flushed out of the market. That is actually in a positive. Odd, odd way good. Mm. Now, it's, it's harmful to short-term prices of shares, but in the long term, it's a good thing. Mm. So there's a lot going on that I see as medium-term positive, although I have to acknowledge that the next two weeks, you're going to get scary headlines. As I said, the kids are going to be home from school. It's all going to go that's to... That's the scariest well, thing. Well, that's most probably actually is more school. scary than trying to entertain them. But inside this, there are going to be wonderful companies at wonderful prices for anyone who has more than a one-week view on investing. And being ungeared and having some cash to deploy is a great advantage in moments like this, a great advantage. So it's our job to try and guide investors to where, where you should put some cash. Firstly, hold the line. The correction is, it's mostly happened and there'll be volatility. But the other side of this, you want to come out owning the best businesses you can. And Australia, look, it's been hit very, very hard too. 
But the very last thing I'd be doing would be buying a defensive stock now, like a Woolworths. Now, Woolworths has sat there because people have seen panic yeah, buy. Yeah. They think it's going to... Well, be, their short-term profit will be good. Well, yeah, but they're... Well, like, it may not be panic. I'd be. actually make the case that their short-term profit might be hit because mm. they're getting irregular, right, and uh, unusual mm. patents, which is really hard to supply. So tomorrow, for example, Woolworths are opening their stores just for the mm. oldies. For an hour, right? They've stopped online deliveries because they can't they can't fill orders, right? Yeah. They've got empty shelves here and full shelves there, right? And it's a total imbalance. So that actually could actually be costing the money. I know that the sales will get a short-term blip. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, we had a company this morning, the reject shop, come out and say it's done really well for the first three or four weeks. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. But mainly because they had toilet rolls, all this other stuff, yeah. which was so, but they're really nervous going forward. So I, I, I agree with Charlie's, the defensive stocks, the Woolworths. Uh, the Medibanks, those sort of stocks, they're already up there. They're now expensive. Now, they'd be <laughs> careful because people have yeah. been just buying healthcare stocks. Cochlear yeah. had a profit warning today. It's yeah. down 20%. Yeah. So be careful just buying something because you think it's defensive. Look, yeah. the real opportunity here is in ultra-high-quality, long-duration businesses that are not obviously defensive with great balance sheets. And if you're brave enough in some stage in the not-too-distant future, something to do with travel in the not-too-distant yeah. future. Now, that's not necessarily today. But there has been nothing hit harder than blatantly obvious travel stocks. I, but I, I keep coming back because this is what normal people don't get. They they think they'll put a, a bid in there for CBA at, at sixty eight dollars. Mm -hmm. What's the likelihood they'll get it at sixty eight dollars? Fifty eight, wasn't it? Well, well, well yeah. whatever the number is. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, what is if things are moving so quickly? So you either have to buy at market, or you just have to see the offer and. Pay above the offer to get set, right? Mm. Don't expect that there's a lot of volume. There's not, right? Mm. The computer trading, they're trading on single units when they need to, right? And there's nothing there. So, mm. I mean, if you... And that's how the that, market reversed 13% that, on that's, Friday. That's, that's why you can go down 10% mm. and up 5 okay, right? Now, now so, so you have to just pay the price and get aggressive yeah. on buying. Yes. If, if you want to buy, yeah. don't be worried too much about the price. Yeah. You are not going to get a lot. some people would think, okay... Uh, we've been down as much as 22, and then we're yeah. about 29 or 30%, right? And then I think, well, it could be a bit of a bounce out of the 30% into 25, 24%. Next time it gets to 30%, I'm going to put a $100,000 offer in to buy STW or IOZ. Will they get set? Look, possibly. I mean, look, I mean, look, well, I don't know. It depends yeah. where the sellers, Peter. Yeah. I mean, like, it may never get there. I mean, yeah. all I'm just saying is you just need to look at but some of them. more like, more sensible to be trying to buy yeah. when everyone is selling. It is, but just don't be too greedy because what you're seeing in the market, there are, is not, volume is up, sorry, the value is up, but there's not a lot of going on. It goes so quickly. Okay, well, so, so all I'm saying is if you want to buy 1,000 BHP, yeah. Put a bid in there and wait, and just and don't if if it's trading at twenty six dollars and you're happy to pay twenty six and a half, bid twenty six and a half for a thousand. You'll probably get them at twenty six, but you don't 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 muck around, right? Okay. Well, one thing I like no, to throw, throw in is that historically in Australia, when you get big market sells like this, which end up being bear markets, even for a, a temporary period of time, the Australian stock market will re rebound according to history between thirty to eighty percent. In the year look, after. look that, 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 that could, I see this as a, a very large scale temporary issue. Mm. Like it's an interruption. It's very large scale though, and it's pretty much unprecedented. Some yeah, of the some yeah. of the things we're seeing happen, but they have to happen. Now, are they scary? And does the share market react to that in the short term? Yes, but most of the businesses that we talk about here, or we or I own, will be around for the next thirty or forty or fifty years. Mm. 
You know, they're trading like confetti at the moment, their shares are, because the biggest disadvantage of you, equity... You, confetti just goes down. Confetti by what? <laughs> but <laughs> you've got that. to remember that you're buying a share in a business that'll be around for a very long time, right? And Paul's point about price is right too. You can average into a few things down yeah. here, and if you get them, you get them, right? But to me, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to buy great businesses, you know, from four sellers and, and in a period of extreme distress, right? Yeah. Now, do you usually through time make money out of that action? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, it won't be tomorrow necessarily, no. but it might, may not be next week, may not be next month. But if I, if I look out 6, 12, 18, two years from now, I would be quite surprised if taking action in these, in these moments hasn't generated returns, you know, very, very good returns. Yeah. But you've just got to be calm and acknowledge the issue and realise that you know, the issue is not going away tomorrow, mm. but... You, you, the, the chance to make money in equities is in these periods, actually. Yeah. To me, this is like a marathon when you hit that. What's is it, the 20 odd mile mark? You hit yeah, the wall. it's something like that, Peter. I haven't done a marathon, not a half marathon, but you yeah. know, you hit the wall. Yeah, once you about, get through it, once you hit the wall, you ever get through it, but you, you eventually get over the line, right? Yeah. And that's the way right. probably to play this. So, what would you buy, Charlie, if you had a chance? Well, I've been doing lots of things. We've been nibbling away in our portfolio overseas. What we generally do is put an order on it 5 or 10% below the last trading price overseas. <laughs> and if we get them, we get them. And that's worked quite well. Yeah. So we've added to things like Louis Vuitton, uh, Microsoft, Apple, usual suspects, Amazon, Google, fortress balance sheets. Yeah. Best businesses in the world, fortress balance sheets. You very rarely to get to buy them you know, down 20, 25%. And here we are. But thankfully, I think I've had one beneficial thing of being a foreign, investing in foreign equities from here is the Aussie dollar. Mm -hmm. It has fallen sharply and protected our portfolios exactly for the calendar year. Okay. So. So somehow my fund is actually flat for the calendar year because the currency's down. That, that'll change a little bit tonight. Mm. But to me, it's just, again, just picking your way slowly through the best businesses you can find in the world. All I want to do is for my investors, come out the other side of this owning the absolute best portfolio I can. And you get a chance in Australia too because there is indiscriminate selling of everything. Yeah. It started with travel stocks, but on Friday at one stage, I was looking in Transurban, it's a motorway. It was down 11%. Mm. I mean, that, that's getting indiscriminate, right? Yeah. That is ETFs, index funds, forced players. That's the clearance sale that we talk about when it just gets indiscriminate. So for me, I've bought high quality things. I don't do anything in Australia, but if you're brave, like really brave, and you think that we're somewhere near the peak of infection rates and the inter interruption here in the next two weeks, you have to buy a travel stock. That's what I would consider. A travel stock and maybe an Australian bank or something like that that's really out of favour and see where we are in three years' time. Because, you know, I, I think there will be, you know, this will end, this will pass, and the brighter world will be, you know, at some stage uh, more normalised. Paul? Well, two things. I wouldn't be buying, I would not be buying defensives. That's, I no, absolutely 100% agree with you, Charlie. Two, the top 20 will recover the hardest. All right, so stick at the top end of the market, not at the bottom end. Mid caps will be really slow. Small caps does recover here, right? Uh, three, I don't disagree with any assessment around the top US companies, so I like all those. If you can't buy those, right, and well, most people you can't because can the they, they don't have, buy the index, IVV is probably mm. the easiest play there. Mm. And then in the Australian stocks, I mean, I, I stick with, with the best. So stick with uh, your BHPs, your CSLs, probably your zero. Uh, they're all going to do, do well out of US earnings because the dollar's now lower, so that's sort of going to push them a little bit. And it's a couple of the banks are probably good value what too. What about the wax stocks? Wax. Look, um, I think I'm a bit out on those. There's probably a couple. Some people think that WiseTech, if it come, the world comes back, it's been hit so hard. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not quite in the wax stocks just yet, Pete, but okay. uh, I prefer to look at the US tech leaders. 
Mm -hmm. uh, than those. And again, most people can't buy, don't have US accounts. So you either go to a manager or mm -hmm. you, you buy an ETF if, if you can get set. One thing I will say is that we're all uncomfortable about what the stock market's doing. But I do think the economic response from governments around the world will eventually create the base for when infection rates and death rates start to fall, there will be a really big comeback of both economies and the stock markets. But that's out there in the future. Keep your fingers crossed that that future comes a lot quicker than most of us are expecting right now. Well, a time when most of us are a little bit nervous about, maybe in a large amount nervous about the stock market, I'm talking to David Zamet, who is the head of distribution at Citigroup. David, thanks for joining us. Morning, Peter. We're expecting a, a period of trading like we've seen over the past week or so? Look, I, I don't think anyone would have expected it. It's, it's absolutely unheard of. Mm. And, you know, 10% intraday moves is, is a new record. So yeah. it's, uh, it's been absolutely uh, a fearful environment for most people because it's an environment that people haven't seen before. Yeah. I know, I know in my writings, I, I said after such a great year last year, it made sense there'd be a pullback. And I wouldn't have been surprised even a 10 or 12% one. But throwing a virus and a global pandemic into the equation. I just never studied Pandemic 101 at university. How about you? Look, I've I got to admit, I, I haven't either. But it, it's, what, what's interesting is, you know, we always talk about fear versus greed in markets. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the concerning parts around this pandemic is, mm. is, is the amount of unknown. And the biggest driver of fear is, mm. is going to be that unknown. Yeah, exactly right. And I guess people do go back to the GFC and ask the question, do you think this would be as bad as a GFC or, or less so? I know it's a really hard question, but I'm, I'm grappling with it myself. My suspicion is it's not going to be as bad as a GFC because world, um, banking, the world banking system doesn't seem as ch challenged as a GFC. Absolutely. Look, the, the reality is is that the, the two environments are extremely different. Mm. Um, if you go back to the GFC, you know, the, the key issue there was around liquidity and, mm. and, and markets just completely dried up with lack of liquidity. Yep. And so, you know, what we're seeing at the moment is, is the central banks globally <laughs> are aware of that question yep. um, and, and pumping in floods of money like we've never seen before. Yep. And so um, it doesn't look like liquidity will be an mm. issue, although obviously market is still fearful. But, you know, the, the wave of liquidity is coming through mm. um, and, you know, the question really comes down to, you know, we're seeing this fear around the virus and, and, and really for us the tipping point is going to be the, the rate of infection. Once, once the rates of infection start to slow, mm. you know, human beings can then look back and say, okay, you know, we're at its worst, this mm. is what it did in the past and mm. we can extrapolate that out, you know, onto economic um, and, and social factors. Mm. Um, the challenge at the moment is we're obviously not at that point. China no. is, so mm. China's past that point, yeah. uh, but globally we're not. And so on one side you've got this wall of liquidity that's being pumped in. And mm. you know, every time we look at the news, there's you know a new stimulus package that's being uh, rolled out. Mm. Um, but I think until we start to see you know that rate of infection start to tip down on a daily basis, mm. um, the the fear component will shift markets, and and that's really what's driving the intraday moves. Yeah. The, the, the buyers on one side coming in and the wall of liquidity versus the fear factor on the other. And I've got to say, in all my history of watching economies and markets, uh, and I've said this even before the coronavirus. Um, I've never seen central banks so proactive. They've always been reactive yeah. and often a little bit too slow to act. act. So that's another plus for the eventual rebound of the stock market. 
Absolutely. And, you know, what, what, we, what we did learn from the GFC was um, it's, it's very hard uh, to, to bet against liquidity. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, and so obviously in the GFC scenario, liquidity dry, uh, um, uh, dried up mm. uh, and, and, and the markets paid the, the toll for that. As you said, in this case, the central banks have been extremely proactive. Um, and, uh, and not only that, but, you know, in conjunction mm. with that, we've, we've seen federal governments, you know, across the globe, mm. you know, um, using fiscal stimulus as well mm. to be quite targeted where obviously monetary policy is going to be very, very broad mm. and, and, and a more blunt tool. Uh, another hard question I'll throw to you is we saw Wall Street rebound 9.3%, nearly 2,000 points. I don't think I'd ever say that uh, on, uh, in my radio reports. But... Do you think that we still have some time where the market will be going up and down until we actually get a firm bottom to rebound out? Look, I, I, the, you know, the question of where's the bottom is an unanswerable one, and, and I think probably one that we don't need to answer. One, mm. one, of the, you know, one of the points that we're talking you know, through with our clients at City is you know, trying to time the bottom of the market's impossible. Um, in particular with 10% you know, intraday moves, 30% you know, moves on markets over the course of the, the next few weeks. Mm. No one has that crystal ball. And so, you know, what we, you know, what we would rather spend our time looking at is, you know, how do we make money in an environment where credit spreads are blown out and volatility has um, gone through the roof? Mm. Volatility is, you know, upwards of where it was in the GFC. And so, you know, educating investors around selling volatility, you know, when volatility is at record levels, mm. so that you don't have to, you know, try and time the market, uh, and also taking advantage of credit spreads at, at significantly blown out levels mm. is is probably the priority mm. at this point. Because, as you said, um, you know, we we are likely to see significant intraday moves and, and, and obviously intra-week moves for the course of the next few months at least. So talking to your clients, are you putting together a suite of products or are there some you know, single products that actually work in these kinds of tricky situations? Yeah, look, probably the uh, from a simplistic point of view, um, if you look at fixed income, for example, mm. um, and, and so there's a, there's a wide spectrum of fixed income all the way from, you know, your high quality investment grade at the top end all the way down to your high yield. What we've seen in this kind of market is, is that there's two components that make up the price of, of investment grade credit. Yeah. One is obviously the interest rate of the market, the other is the credit spread of that particular entity. Mm. And so with those two forces have worked against each other because with, the, with interest rates moving the way that they have, with asset purchase programs, interest rates have, have obviously plummeted yeah. uh, and will continue to probably plummet to close to zero. But on the other side, credit spreads are blowing out mm. and, and that blowout is different you know, uh, at the top end of the investment grade all the way down to high yield. And mm. So, you know, for those that have held high yield, unfortunately, you know, they've seen significant losses because of the credit spread blowout. Mm. Um, but what we're seeing is, is that the, invest, the high end investment grade, you know, has only come off, you know, a, a couple of percent at most mm. because interest rates have fallen and that's, that's beneficial for those. Mm. And so what we're seeing is a lot of investors starting to sh either shift down to the lower end of investment grade credit um, or taking that money out, um, banking the profit that they've made and moving into selling volatility in the equity market because mm. the the equity uh, uh, entry levels at the moment are, are absolutely mm. phenomenal. I think some people watching this w wouldn't understand when you say um, credit spreads have widened. Explain that. Yeah, so the, uh, when, when you're looking at, so when, when someone purchases a bond from a, from a company, mm. they're effectively lending that, that company money. Mm. Um, and at a so, coupon rate of interest. Uh, that's right, at mm. a coupon rate of interest, and that coupon rate could be fixed or it could be floating. Mm. Uh, but let's let's assume that the coupon rate is fixed, and mm. so when they lend that money to that entity, the the rate and the price are, are dictated by two parts. One is the interest rate of the overall currency that they're in. Mm. So if BBSW, if it's if it's in Australia or LIBOR, if it's in US dollars or euros. 
Um, that's one component. The other component um, is the, the credit spread of that company. And the credit spread um, looks at a range of factors, but effectively it's looking at the risk of the that company in particular mm. yep. compared to the rest of the market. And so in these kinds of environments, when volatility goes through the roof, mm. that, that credit spread component, that interest rate for risk, mm. goes up significantly. There's a reflection of fear about what might happen and what might happen to the company. Exactly. And yep. so because if that company goes bust and the person that's lent the money mm. uh, is not going to get you know, their, their capital back or not going to get all of their capital back, and so they would expect a higher rate of interest for mm. that increased risk, okay. effectively. Yeah, so obviously most people would love their money currently to be in term deposits at 5 or 6%, but they don't exist anymore, and maybe never, but probably will in the future sometime. Are you guys creating a suite of products that obviously is not as safe as a term deposit, but has less risk than the, the kind of bonds that have been you know, shot to pieces because of this? You're sort of creating a, a suite of products that may well be lower risk, but reasonable return compared to term deposits? Yeah, look, if you look at term deposits, you know, we, we were sitting at, you know, middle of ones at the moment. Mm. So 1.5, 1.6. Yeah. With what's going at the going on at the moment, we very likely could be in a scenario where we'll be sub 1% pretty soon because yeah. interest rates are, yeah. get, are getting hit. So if you move up the, you know, the risk spectrum to the next level, that, that is your investment grade credit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, similar to a term deposit, um, you, effectively your risk is that the company goes bust. Yeah. Now, obviously in the capital structure, the term deposit holder gets paid out first if the mm. bank goes bust, uh, the, the senior debt holder gets paid next. Mm. Uh, so so same, same rules apply in terms of the, the payout if, if the bank goes bust. Uh, but to your point, you know, most clients at the moment are looking for you know, somewhere in the order of that 5 to 6% mark. Um, and, and what's been interesting is, is that it's very hard to get that in terms of a coupon. Mm. Uh, but it's actually over the last 24 months, it hasn't been hard to get that in terms of the capital value. Yeah. And the reason for that has been you know, the clients that have gone into you know, a fixed income that we've accessed globally, mm. you know, paying around that 3 to 5% mark, mm. Because that fear has driven up, and because interest rates they're have gone more down, valuable. Those ones, aren't exactly right. Mm. So, so, the, so at the moment they're paying 10, 12 percent per annum mm. because of that fear factor. Now that can't keep going, because no. obviously, because you know there's only a certain amount of fear that's in the market. Yeah. But you know, from our point of view, it really is, as you said, around you know how do we how do we find that rate of return that's reasonable mm. without you know taking too much risk. And I guess I guess the bottom line is, in these very tricky times, sometimes people do need some advice from experts when the easy price, like term deposits, is so unattractive. Exactly right. And you know, if you if you look at Australians, most Australians when they come to us, they start off almost 100% of their assets in Aussie dollars, mm. which has been absolutely hammered over the last you know uh, mm. one to two weeks because mm. it's been a risk-off environment. So that's one area where you know, as as Australians, we need to educate ourselves a little bit more around you know not just diversifying our assets, but mm. diversifying our currencies. Mm. Um, and the, and the second component is you know having a look at for a lot of our clients, they'll be heavily cash predominant in in uh, obviously in term deposits. Uh, heavy in property and heavy in equities, mm. um, and in this kind of environment, unfortunately, you know the the uh, the equity and the, and the cash are getting hit on both sides, um, and, and you know we're, we're yet to see what happens with the property market, but mm. you know probably going to be relatively stable with the fact that interest rates are, are getting so low and access to money, you know obviously mm. APRA at the moment is making that a little bit more difficult, but but is, is still reasonable, mm. uh, and so as you said, you know talking to someone to try and find out, you know how do I take advantage of these conditions without trying to just buy low and sell high. Is, is really going to be yeah. you know, what most people are looking for. Is there anything else you'd like to tell people that who might be worried? 
Look, I think the reality is is that you know this will be a, a very fearful environment. For, mm. I would suggest for for the entire of this year, mm. uh, and so you know learning how to take advantage of you know selling volatility at, at its high levels and taking advantage of those credit spreads, you know I, I think is you know something that you know many people are profiting from, and and I would suggest is is an area where people need to educate themselves. Yep. Uh, investors have to get on a very steep learning curve. Absolutely. Okay, David, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. David Zamet, Head of Distribution at Citigroup. So I'm catching up with Russell Pillemer, CEO of Pingana, to see how he's responding to the coronavirus and how his particular products are responding. Mate, great to see you. Great to see you, Peter. Coronavirus, what do you reckon? Um, so uh, whether it was going to be corona or something else, uh, the markets appeared to be too uh, toppy yeah. and something was going to likely to bring it back a bit. Yeah. Um, it has been corona. Um, our funds in general have coped extremely well. Uh, we had been waiting for some of the overvalued stocks uh, to pull back. Uh, our, pro our portfolios have generally avoided all the overvalued stocks mm. and or significantly overvalued stocks. So um, last month on a relative basis was probably the strongest month we've had in our business maybe ever. Mm. Uh, that was February? Uh, February. Yeah, okay. So, but you and your team would be trying to assess the potential of the coronavirus and what it could do with the stocks that A, were overvalued are now less overvalued and it has to be some time when you would say it's time to go back in the market. Yeah. Yeah, Is so that th time now? So, so, so Peter, we have no idea about how this will pan out. No. Um, we're, not, we're not scientists or doctors, uh, but what we do know is our underlying stocks and we know how our stocks should perform under various scenarios. Mm. Uh, the stocks that we're in uh, should be resilient. Uh, some stocks will actually benefit mm. uh, from a weak market mm. or benefit from pro problems in supply chains, etc. Mm. And uh, so we need to be aware of those facts, but it's all bottom up. Mm. It's not, we, we do not build our portfolios based upon macro assumptions or assumption about how good or bad uh, the outcome for Corona might be. Like for example, Invercare did well last week for what you might think was most logical reasons. Okay, so you're not trying to second guess what this might mean for the markets have you have you looked at the history to see how these things actually do impact the companies that you're investing in uh, so we would certainly would look at individual companies and understand from a bottom up uh, what the impacts on the actual businesses will be as opposed to how the market might view the mm. impacts. I think it's very important in times like this to separate the reality from individual of uh, individual companies versus market sentiment. Yep. So what we're finding in particular day like today, everything is getting smashed. Mm. It doesn't matter what you're in, mm. uh, there are very, very few exceptions. Um, and uh, so you can find opportunity uh, in that. Yeah. Um, and um, somebody who's savvy enough and who understands the bottom up um, uh, business, the businesses from the bottom up mm. will be able to pick those opportunities. But anybody who's trying to pick the short term uh, move for the market, mm. I think um, yeah, you know that's a foolish, uh, uh, a foolish strategy. Yeah. When you think back of, say, for example, SARS and Ebola, the last two biggies. Uh, Ebola had a, a bigger reaction on the market. Um, is part of the reason why this is a big reaction is that China is, is a much more significant player 
in the world economy? Well, that, that certainly is the case, and it's certainly the case for us in Australia. Mm. Uh, so the impact on our marketplace has been very dramatic. Mm. Um, certainly, um, uh, you know, China obviously is, is critical to, to us, so we, we, we're, we're seeing that. Yeah. Um, and also information flows. Mm. We get information faster, um, uh, maybe some misinformation uh, might be out there, but there's lots of information flying around and that creates the volatility and volatility causes concerns for investors. Mm. Uh, we, we're seeing a lot of investors actually out in the marketplace just dumping stock, not really worrying about the prices. Mm. Um, and then we've got the impact of the indices. Mm. Uh, so uh, the indexes, as we know, um, uh, get sold um, uh, based upon mathematical formulae. Mm. Uh, rather than based upon yeah. fundamentals. And so we might see, be seeing a bit of an under, uh, unwinding uh, of some of those um, types of structures. Has computer trading made manage, management of funds harder? Um, I think in the short term, um, it, it is hard day to day. Uh, but in the longer term, it potentially opens up good opportunities for good fundamental managers mm. uh, who can look beyond the, the short term uh, impacts. Um, because you can see irrational moves caused by computer trading. Okay, now you have a particular product that is less market sensitive. I, I know that you actually <coughs> announced this product at one of our strategy days a couple of years ago? Uh, last year, last so year? less than 12 Early months last ago. Year, yes, right. And um, so talk to my audience about that product and why it's not as market sensitive. Uh, so, so Peter, not only is our product, our product is the uh, Pangana Private Equity Trust, it's a listed vehicle. What's the two? Um, PE1. Mm -hmm. uh, not only uh, is it non-market sensitive in terms of the underlying uh, uh, value of the portfolio, but in a falling market it actually does well. Mm -hmm. It's actually designed to generate a positive return in a fall falling market. Mm -hmm. So what But it can also benefit on an upside. Ab absolutely. It's a chameleon, isn't it? <laughs> uh, absolutely. So private equity, um, as we know, is a keenly sought after asset class. Yeah. Uh, we know from the big end of town, the big institutions, uh, that they are using private equity in their portfolios as a mainstream asset class. Mm. It once upon a time was considered an alternative asset, a couple of percent in your portfolio. Now it sits in portfolios at 10 or 20%. Yeah. What our um, portfolios, what, what our uh, P1 fund is designed to do is to bring high quality private equity to Australian uh, retail and high net worth investors. Mm -hmm. So it's the same types of opportunities that sophisticated investors like the Future Fund would have that haven't been available to the retail end of the market. We have brought it yeah. uh, to the marketplace. And so it's, the, the fund manager behind it is an American fund manager? It, it is, it's Grosvenor Capital, mm -hmm. and Grosvenor Capital are one of the world leaders uh, in private equity investing. And uh, Gr Grosvenor were our first choice um, as an investment partner to manage the portfolio yeah. because uh, they are market leaders when it comes to investing in smaller sized private equity funds, private equity funds in the US of sub $2 billion. Mm. So here that would be considered to be large. Yeah. In the US that's a medium sized and smaller funds. Okay, so explain to my viewers what Grosvenor actually does with the money that would be raised in Australia, what they do with it, and then how, they, how 
the investors will get re rewarded for doing yes. it. So um, Grosvenor um, invests in private equity funds and private equity deals. Mm. So we know from... Anything from, from developing a, a property to a business or... Uh, uh, th no, th these will be companies, um, uh, operating businesses, mostly industrial uh, mm. type businesses. Mm. And uh, Grosvenor invests in private equity funds so the average private equity fund might be a billion dollars in size. It might invest in a dozen or so deals uh, per fund. Mm. Um, and you find that the good private equity managers who've been doing this for many, many years get good deals yeah. and um, are able to generate strong returns for the investors. Yeah. And we can see these returns have been fantastic yeah. for many years, much better than listed market returns. And, and I guess is there, you know, when I think of PE, a private equity deal, there's two parts income along the way and eventually there's a big payday. Does that actually happen for an investor in uh, PE1? Yes, yeah, so, so PE1 is designed with a targeted, a targeted distribution mm. of 4% per annum, that's mm. 2% um, yeah. uh, uh, every six months. That's keeping my happy. Absolutely, yeah. especially in these times. Yeah. Uh, but it's also designed to have strong capital growth yeah. because these companies we are investing in um, have strong have strong growth uh, prospects. Mm. So the private equity uh, fund manager usually buys into a company for five to seven years mm. and hopefully sells out of it, uh, and uh, you know, in, in several years' time at a mm. at a strong uh, at a strong gain and distributes that to yeah. uh, to the investor. So Russell, effectively, the performance of the companies that the fund invests in will be the main determinant of the unit price as opposed to that plus market speculation. Uh, um, absolutely, that, that, that is the key determinant of the value. Mm. And it's our task as fund managers and operators of the vehicle to make sure that the uh, vehicle is priced well on the market, yeah. um, that we market it to investors, we tell the story so mm. we get investors attracted yeah. uh, to the story. Now. Um, uh, the underlying companies are absolutely the key to the long-term value. Mm. In the shorter term, what's happened is we've raised uh, money. Uh, we will uh, invest over the coming, uh, we said we'd invest over three to four years. Yeah. Uh, we're mm. one year into the venture. We've invested about 25% into private equity companies. Mm. The other 75% um, uh, or so, um, is held in a um, investment grade uh, short duration credit uh, mm. portfolio, relatively short duration credit portfolios. In times of market, and, and everything in the portfolio is US dollar based, mm. a little bit of euros, uh, but almost exclusively US dollars, um, and it's unhedged. Mm. So in times of market stress, like we're going through at the moment, the, short the uh, credit portfolio, which is investment grade, has rallied, because yeah. that's what it does in market stress times. In addition, the Australian dollar has taken a big hit. Yep. So, um, so our portfolio has had a double whammy on the upside mm. um, that um, you, get this, uh, you get this very nice result. And it's for those reasons, uh, that um, it does well in a, in, a, in a down market. Okay, and you're raising more money for that now? Yes, we're currently doing that okay. at the moment. Tell us about that. Uh, so uh, we announced a secondary offer um, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, the offer uh, closes on the 23rd of March. It's an entitlement offer which uh, of, for two for one, which means existing investors can buy two units for every one that they currently hold. Mm. What, whatever's at not- At what unit price? At, at the NAV. 
Okay. At the January end of January NAV, okay. uh, which is before obviously before the fe February's results, um, and um, historically we've traded a nice uh, premium uh, to NAV. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of volatility in the stock, but we still trade pretty nicely. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so investors have the um, uh, the opportunity to buy in at the NAV. Whatever is not taken up by the entitlement offer uh, will form part of a shortfall offer and we will place out that shortfall, um, the unallocated amount, to investors we'd like to see in the deal. This is focused um, on, uh, this is not available to the general public as mm -hmm. such. Uh, either this is focused on financial advisors or alternatively on clients who have direct relationships or, uh, with Pengon or one of our affiliates. Okay, Russell, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, that's the show for the night. Thanks for joining us. I keep my fingers crossed that good sense eventually prevails in the stock market. And I do think over time as infection rates and death rates fall, particularly in Europe and the USA, the market will start turning around. As, as I say, let's hope that happens uh, sooner rather than later. Now tomorrow we're doing a mega webinar. It starts at 10 o'clock. Uh, you have to go to our YouTube channel. Uh, Switzer Financial Group, that's the, the key words you put into the YouTube channel and you'll find it. It starts at 10 o'clock, it has a number of major investors and I'll be asking them how they're responding to coronavirus and how their investment products are going to uh, perform over the future months given what we're going through. Thanks for joining us and I'm Peter Switzer.